0: So no matter what comes or goes, one thing that you must know is that I am love Can you. Love. We sing that just one more time, Don. That little last piece. So no matter what comes or goes, one thing that you must know is that I. that that is the truth that anchors us today. That you are good, we are loved and in every day and in every situation you are good and I am loved. That your people here today can rest in that. They can actually sit back and take a break from being the supervisor of their own lives and let you be good and let themselves be loved. But in this room, anxiety, we can just begin to breathe and let go of that because you are good and we are loved. We can release fear here today because you are good and we are loved. We can let go of the inner critic that bosses us around say you are good and we are loved you are good and we are loved you sing that lord you are good and i am loved come on take it right down micro focus And I am loved every day, every moment. You are good, and I am loved. So I just want to say, take that, devil. Amen. Right? Sometimes you don't have to holler about it, you just need to say, you are good. And I am loved. And that is the greatest weaponry any person ever had. Amen? So go ahead. Tell somebody next to you. Say, God is good and you are loved. Is good. Remember all day. Mm-hmm. Let's stand together for the reading of Luke 17. Feel free to read with me, or let the words of life just give you life today as you hear. It happened that as he made his way toward Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria Samaria, and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten men, all lepers, met him. They kept their distance, but raised their voices, calling out, "'Jesus, Master, have mercy on us.'" Can we read that together? "'Jesus, Master, have mercy on us.'" Taking a good look at them, he said, "'Go, show yourselves to the priest.'" They went, and while they were still on their way, became clean. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around, came back shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful, he couldn't thank him enough. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were not ten healed? Where are the nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? Then he said to him, get up, On your way, your faith has healed and saved you. Holy Spirit, we pray that we would hear the words that you speak today. That we would let this scripture give us a way to see the face of God. It's in silence that our souls wait for you and for you alone, God. Let us hear the words that you speak, the words behind the words that I'll speak today. Amen. You can be seated. I think it's fascinating that one returned. We're in this, this uh, series called One Church Under One Roof for One Purpose, to glorify God. And this is the scripture that's in the lectionary today. If you don't know what the lectionary is, it's actually uh, our prayer book that we use here at Crossroads. And we, we gather together with thousands of other people of faith around the world, praying around the same scriptures. And this scripture about these lepers is the one that, you know, people of your church family are reading all over the world today. And I wonder how many thousands of things God will speak because there are thousands of people listening. And I know uh, you don't know my life completely and I don't know your life completely, but God does. One returned, and isn't it fascinating that the one returned was called the outsider, I am fascinated by that, which means the other nine were insiders. Can you all say insiders? Insiders. You know, there are people who um, actually separate the church now, and they're like, these are the people that are out, these are the people that are in. These are the people that God really is on their side, these are the people God's not on their side. You know, the people that are in, the people that are out. But I know you don't think like that, right? Right right? I, I actually think all of us have one sin that we think should just be completely out of bounds for God to ever forgive. And that's typically the sin that was committed against me, right? But every other sin, God can forgive because God is forgiving. But the, the sin that was done against me or the, the sin that I think is most wrong, that person is the outsider. And I know you guys are all better Christians than me, so you don't think like that. But God... God gives us this idea that all of us have fallen short of the image of God, the glory of God. Like, we were made in God's image, but we've lost the likeness, sometimes between 12 and 1 p.m. or maybe at 7 p.m. or whenever you see that one person who gets your underwear in a bunch right? So you are made and you're like, oh yeah, I'm feeling like I look like God today. I just, that was an awesome moment. And then the next thing you know, we're not looking anything like God. But this one returned and fell at the feet of Jesus and worshiped and had this uh, humility that even though he knew he was an outsider, don't you guys think this guy knew he was an outsider? A, he had leprosy, and if you know anything about leprosy in that time, if you came close to anybody that might touch you, you had to yell, does anybody know? Unclean. I mean, how would you like for that to be you? That what was going on in your life, if you came too close to people, you had to yell, unclean. And you know we've all been unclean a day or two or a moment or two in our lives. Not with leprosy, but we've all been unclean. Can you look at your friend and say, yep, she's talking about you? It's a true story, right? And so here we are. Everybody here is an outsider. And yet, then he's got this double outsider-ness. Because he's not a Jew. He's a Samaritan, which means he was a half-breed. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody remember Cher? Yeah. And so, like, why do we even need to write songs like half-breed? Is that like yelling unclean? And, And I wonder, I wonder why God, knowing God knows all things, God says, oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal these 11. And I already know it's only the outsider that's coming back to worship. I know it's only the one that has a double, double trouble outsider-ness that's actually going to get it, that I'm merciful and good. I'm going to actually teach something to people for thousands of years because they're going to read it in the scripture and they're going to say, oh my gosh, the outsider came back, not the insiders, not the insiders. And he worships. I don't know if you know anything about um, the old words for praise in scripture, but I know the, the Thomases do. They actually have a song about it. Shabbat, hallelujah, Barak, praise the Lord. Yeah, it's really good. Tahila, right? So these words are all about thanksgiving. Tauda, a thanksgiving choir. Barak, to kneel in thanksgiving. Tahila, a sing a song of thanksgiving. Halal, give thanks by being clamorously foolish. Some of us do that better than others. Yara, give thanks with extended hands. People who lift their hands. Zamar, give thanks with a musical instrument. Thank God for the good ones. And Shabbat, to give thanks with a shout. And in Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, Tawdah, and his courts with praise, ta'hila, to be thankful, yada, and to bless Barak, his holy name. Go ahead. Be clamorously foolish with me, Christine. I don't mind. I, so here's what I want to say is that the scripture tells us that there's something powerful about giving thanks and what happened with this guy the outsider that outsider came back and gave thanks and then Jesus says hey not only is your body healed you got the whole thing going on brother Sozo is the word in the Greek which means complete healing help wholeness not just your body but your mind your heart and your future I've got you I've got you this is God this is God. When when we come back to say thank you. When we come back when we take time to lift hands or to kneel down or to sing a song or to just say thank you or to join a chorus. I'm telling you, I don't know, do you need healing? I do. I need healing. But I want to know where are the other 9? You know, so here's the deal. I don't want to get down on the other nine because I've been one of the other nine. How many of you always say thank you for everything? Wow, I just got to get near you because I don't. I, I, I know that sometimes I'm the other nine, especially when it comes to thank you cards. I stink. I I am so bad. Is anybody else in the room with me bad at thank you cards? Like, I stink at that. And there are people that, like, you wink the right way, and they say thank you, you know? And I I say to myself, like, Jessica's a famous one for sending me a text and giving thanks for something. She did it this week. Thank you for da-da-da. And I think to myself, every time I get a thank you, I think, I am so bad at this. And my inner critic revs up and says, man, what is the matter with you? You're not thankful. But if I let that inner critic bully me, I won't become greater in my thanksgiving. I'll just shrink. But if I allow it to inspire me to say, okay, who could I thank this week? Who could I send a card to to say thank you? So you know, we're all different. Some of you will kneel easily. You know, you like it quiet. Some of you will shout and lift your hands. That's good for you. But we have many different ways of loving God. Gary Thomas wrote a book years ago called Sacred Pathways and talked about the naturalists, people who love God outdoors. Shout out if that's you. The sensates, loving God with all their senses like they wish we would burn incense on Sunday morning right? The traditionalists who love God through ritual and symbol. I love we have a couple in the church that one loves the liturgy that we do, and the spouse doesn't love the liturgy that we do. But they're glad that we do both, so both of them can hate it at one time in the service and love it at one time in the service. Isn't that good? We do that for you. Because what we do for you is we say, be patient with your, your people who like tradition, and then you people who like it all wild and crazy, you be patient while you're wishing it wasn't so quiet for a minute. You've got these ascetics who love God and solitude and simplicity and minimalism. and They're beautiful. Activists. Who were the activists here for the Human Trafficking Conference this week? Who was here? Come on, shout out. And I want to say thank you to the volunteers. I want to come and say thank you for serving. Um, your prosecutors, your law enforcement, your judges, your professors that were teaching, your victims' agencies. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because there was something going on here this week that I want to give thanks for. Human trafficking was being addressed, and we are farther down the road today than we were on Thursday. And so thanks be to God. Oh, and by the way, what was really cool is Jane White was talking about raids, and then she was looking for our prosecutor, and she couldn't find him. Well, our prosecutor and our co-chair of the region were out on a raid and closed two massage parlors. So I just want you to know that. During the conference, during the conference, you can't make that stuff up. It was awesome. Jane's talking about raids. She's like, where's the prosecutor? acting like he skipped out early. Yeah, he was actually being the prosecutor. Okay, and then caregivers, loving God by loving others, enthusiasts, loving God with mystery and celebration, contemplatives, loving God through adoration. You know those people, they just like, they just sit and gaze at the face of God for hours. You know, I have a couple of friends like that. They, they just wish all of us would go away and they could just be alone with God. And then the intellectuals who love God with the mind. So we have lots of ways of coming to adore God, to love God. It's very different. But how am I doing with adoring and thanking God these days? Not just the people in my life, but God. How fresh is my thanksgiving with God? Now, we all have these things that keep us from gratitude. In fact, um, you have maybe an inner critic just like the rest of the world. But let me give you just a little article from Berkeley. And this article was written in 2017, and it says how gratitude changes you and your brain. New research is starting to explore how gratitude works to improve our mental health. We randomly assigned our study participants into three groups. Although all three groups received counseling services, the first group was also instructed to write one letter of gratitude to another person each week for three weeks, whereas the second group we asked to write about their deepest thoughts and feelings and negative experiences. The third group did not have a writing assignment. What did we find? We compared with the participants who wrote negative experiences and only received counseling those who wrote gratitude letters reported significantly better health for four weeks, and by 12 weeks had increased dramatically. This suggests that gratitude writing can be beneficial not just for healthy, well-adjusted individuals, but also for those who struggle with mental health concerns. In fact, it seems practicing gratitude on top of receiving psychological counseling, carries greater benefits than counseling alone, even when that gratitude practice is brief. Now, this is Berkeley, so you know they're not trying to teach you about the 10 lepers right now, okay? But do you love that God got it back there that our brother Luke wrote it down thousands of years ago, what Berkeley was going to find out in 2017. And what they discovered is gratitude unshackles us from toxic emotions. How about that? Let's just all practice thank you. Ready, one, two, three. Thank you. I mean, that simple practice of writing a gratitude letter every week in 12 weeks, you're going to be better. If you just took that practice and said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm just going to write God a gratitude letter every week for the next 12 weeks. Just watch what might happen in each of our lives. God, thank you for breath this morning. Thank you. Next day, God, thank you for breath and knees that still work, right? Or God, thank you for breath and elbows that still work. Right? God, thank you for the strength that gives me the ability to be an athlete. Or thank you, God, for the strength that helps me to get up in the morning and make coffee at my office. I mean, what would happen if we practiced gratitude for 12 weeks, writing a letter, not just saying it, but writing a letter to God and becoming a part of that recent, that recent um, research I think that there are things that are happening in our lives. There's so much anxiety. People have cell phones in their pockets, and every five minutes they're getting a jolt from somebody that doesn't like them on Facebook or who's trying to reach them through a text. Or, you know, I mean, we, we have so much anxiety in this culture that if we actually turned off the phone and started practicing writing with our hand a le- short letter of gratitude, we might find that we're less anxious, that we're, we bite people's heads off less often, that we actually show up more fully in moments where people need our presence. I just you know, wanna know, where are the other nine? I don't think they're bad people. I think they're us because every one of us hasn't come back to say thank you, right? I mean, you maybe haven't said thank you To your friend in a long time, or your child, or your spouse. Maybe it's been forever since you sang a song of praise to God in the shower. Where are the other nine? The other nine are us. They are. Now, I could make you laugh a little bit and say, these people actually exemplify the other nine. They are. And one of the reasons that um, you might know that we teach a, a discipleship model called the Enneagram around here, which just means nine points, is because you could look like that in your unhealthiest state. Like, those are not health, healthy people. Did you ever notice? that they, they all have an inner critic. They all have an addiction to self that keeps them stuck. And when I think about the fact that the whole human race, when Jesus touches us and our bodies are healed, but Jesus is saying, I don't want you to just have that. I want you to be healed in your mind. I want you to be healed from that under rumble of anxiety. I want you to have peace in your soul. And so, you know, we've been teaching the Enneagram for a long time here. All it means is nine points, it's not demonic. It's not a pentagram. It's not an anagram. It is the Enneagram, which just means nine points, nine personality styles inscribed around a circle. And it really was interesting because this week I had somebody come to me during the human trafficking conference and say, hey, Claire, somebody's outing you on Facebook right now um, because of the Enneagram. And they said that they're warning Crossroads about the Enneagram and uh, that it's psychic babble, and it's not of God. And they said, do you want to see the, the feed? I go, no, I got to go down there and do something about human trafficking. And, and so what I want to say is, you know, you are going to be criticized by many people in your life. You have to belong to yourself so that nobody, whatever anybody else says, you're saying, I belong to God and myself, and God, and God is able God is able to keep correcting us. P.S., you know, if you read our book, you'll find out that this has, our history is in the Christian tradition. And so this isn't new age because it's really old. It's actually an ancient map that psychologists have actually now said, oh my gosh, like look at this ancient map, it's right. And then they're adding the beauty of MRI work and all of these good psychological tools that can say, God has been smart a long time. And that in the third century, when spiritual directors were out in the desert and they were helping people with their inner critic and their inability to say thank you that this was a powerful tool to help them. You know, because people will come and sit in my office and they'll, they'll tell me all kinds of Michael Scott types of things or Dwight Schrute. I mean, I get, I get all of that. I get, I get the whole thing, you know. I get, I get Jim and his girls' problems all the time. And sometimes, I love what Scott will say, I'd like you to make a list of 10 things to be grateful for every day. We're not gonna talk anymore tonight. Let's talk after you make a list of 10 things to be grateful for every day, and then come back. Let's talk in two weeks, and let's see if there's been any shift. Why? Because we all have an inner critic. Can you guys say inner critic? Yeah, it's an evil voice. For the type ones that are good people, this inner critic says it's not okay to make mistakes. And they're living in a place where they are afraid to make a mistake. These two, these loving people, they have an inner critic that says it's not okay to have your own needs. So the one that might have been one of the nine that got healed, they thought, I better go fix everything that I messed up before I got healed. I'm not going back to say thank you. I'll do it after I don't make mistakes. And the twos, they're probably thinking, my family, my family, they need to know I love them. I got to touch them. I got to make them some soup. And they don't go back and say thank you. See, the inner critic can keep you from saying thank you to God. It can keep you from God's will. The inner critic for the three is it's not okay to have your own feelings or identity. So I like have to rush past my own feelings because I'm a three. I have to rush past my own feelings to make sure that everybody out here is okay with my healing. Are you guys okay with my healing? Like I don't want to go get crazy and worship Jesus before I know if you guys are okay with my healing and my shout out. See, that's what the inner critic will do. You got to learn to name your inner critic And let God transform you by the renewing of your mind. These fours, they say, this inner critic wakes them up in the morning and says, it's not okay to be too functional or too happy. Like the fours might be much more able to write out the negative emotions because they're willing to go there, but their work is to start to look at what is good. The fives, their inner critic says it's not okay to be comfortable in the world, so I'm going to retreat into my cave and go read 10 more books or find out more information on healing before I ever go out there and say thank you to God. See, I, I, we've got, we really all do have something that keeps us in that nine circle. Your inner critic says, the sixes, it's not okay to trust yourself. So can I trust myself? Am I really healed? How do I know I'm healed? I got to check and see if I'm healed. Maybe I should check and see. Oh, definitely, I'm going to the priest to get checked to see if I'm healed before I go say thank you. Right? The sevens, they say it's not okay to depend on anyone for anything. So the truth is, I'm just going to go to Disneyland now that I'm healed. I'm not going to thank anybody. I'm just, I'm just going. The inner critic of the eight, these powerful people, it says it's not okay to be vulnerable or trust anyone. How can I trust to tell anyone I've been healed uh, and that I actually needed healing, that I actually needed anybody to do anything for me? right? Or the nine, the inner critic says, your presence doesn't matter. So like the nines thinking, Jesus doesn't care if I come back because my presence doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. So friends, I want to say to you, the reason that we utilize a tool like the Enneagram is because all of these people are sitting in our church right now on your worst day. I mean, you're all awesome in church, You know what I mean? You're on your best behavior. You're not cussing anybody out. You're not throwing punches. You know what I mean? You're, You're your best self. But the truth is, when you go home, people know you. And they know when that inner critic has so much to say that you're unable to connect with somebody else. And what we know is we call it the Disciples Cross. When I'm connecting with God, I'm able to connect with people well. When I'm connecting with people well, I'm able to connect with God. The two are inseparable. And so my spiritual and psychological work is really important to my own abundance of soul for the sake of others and for God and the kingdom of God. You know, some of the, you know this, we've said it before, I'm going to say it one more time. Some of the meanest people I know quote scripture. Some of the meanest people I know can tell you, here's the answer here's what God says, right? And then I say, well, I know my Bible really well. I can show you five other scriptures that kind of put you in a place where you're going to have to hold the paradox that God says a lot of things because God wants us not to be able to put God in our own back pocket and say, I'm in and you're out. See, here's the reality, friends. We need to do our inner work because on my deathbed, I really don't want my kids telling me, that I never worked through my stuff. I really want to work through my stuff. When I think about this beautiful, this beautiful quote from John Wesley, he says, By salvation I mean not barely according to the vulgar notion deliverance from hell or going to heaven, but a present deliverance from sin, a restoration of the soul to its primitive health, its original purity, a recovery of divine nature, the renewal of our souls after the image of God, in righteousness and true holiness, justice, mercy, and truth. That is salvation, friends. It's every day, moment by moment, bringing ourselves to God the inner critic is a big jerk, getting rid of the inner critic, critic, getting to know our nature, our divine nature, like it was in the beginning. I always say this about my grandsons. When they were little, the two of them looked at each other face to face. Little brother sits on big brother's lap. Nobody says, boys don't do that. Nobody says, boys don't relate face to face. You know, we had somebody this week tell us that men don't relate face-to-face, they relate side-to-side. I just want to say, not if you're a two and you're a man, right? You're, you're relating face-to-face because you're a caregiver, you're a nurturer, right? So this genderizing doesn't help us. Um, this getting to know who we are and how God's original plan for us, is the salvation God wants for us all the days of our journey home. To be able to relate to one another. To be able to see our beauty. I I love this picture of our Adriana. Adriana, you know, this gorgeous child who has a bow on her head that's bigger than Alaska. And, And I think, you know, this beautiful child did not need that bow to be beautiful. But our entire lives, that inner critic has said to us, you gotta put something on to be better. Somebody needs to put things on you so that you're acceptable. And so when we think about what God has called us to, I think, where are the other nine? The other nine are us. When the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there's any twisted way within me, and lead me in your way everlasting. Search me oh God, not search Scott and fix him, right? Not search my boss and fix my boss. Search me and know me. Know my heart. Know the ways I let the inner critic boss me around and so I show up as a critic. Because if I listen to a critic, I bring a critic to the church. I bring a critic to the board table. If I listen to that inner critic, I'm not able to relate. I'm not able to live in salvation, so-so, well, head, heart, and gut. I'm unable to live. If I'm hiding, if I say, don't search me, God, I don't want anybody to know what's on my Snapchat. I don't want anybody to know what's on my Instagram feed. I've got another, you know, I've got another identity over here to do the things I want to do. I'm this person at work. I'm this person at breakfast table. I'm this person, you know. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Because see, who God, God is good and you are loved. So let's stand together. So why are we telling you this? Well, we're telling you this because we're about to do a series on the Enneagram on Sunday morning. And we knew if we just announced it, you wouldn't come back next week. Because we are the other nine. And well, we don't want anybody, you know, letting us consider. We're, and by the way, you know what we focus on? Your inherent greatness made in God's image. Because the reality is you don't need anybody else dogging you. You need to know, as Nelson Mandela said, human beings can't bear the burden of their own inherent greatness. You don't know how great you are. You don't know that God is good and you are loved 24-7. You remember you remember it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But what we're hoping to do is create some new neural pathways. Why? Because if we don't know that God is good and we are loved, we have no evangelistic power in this world. Because you're just another mean person on Facebook. You're just another disgruntled employee at the place where you work. You, right? If we are able to actually get to know our inherent greatness and practice gratitude, We could check you out in 12 weeks in an MRI and see your brain changed. We are working on that, friends, because if the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your, yeah, your mind, which is in that Greek word, it is your head, your heart, and your gut. We want to be transformed completely. I don't want to be a crab to my kids, but nice to you. be one thing at school and one thing in front of grandma and grandpa. Right? Oh God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for searching us and knowing us. Knowing our heart. Because there's no condemnation. You love outsiders. You're looking for people to come back say thank you for showing me that I was unclean but cleaning that part of me up thank you God thank you that if I can carry that message I can carry it to the person who I think is least likely to get clean that when I can practice self compassion I can actually bring compassion to people oh God search me know me, know my heart, try me. See if there's any twisted ways within me so that I can be led in the everlasting way. What a beautiful grace that is. And God, would you lead us in gratitude letters so that we can start to rewire. Maybe we could even give thanks to you for what you've done, and then give thanks for a way that you've blessed us. And may this be a season of healing that Crossroads Church has never known. May there be an outbreak of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual healing. And then would we become the wounded healers in the world that you need right now? Oh God, let this be a revival of the kind of healing you had in mind when you said so-so healing head, heart, and gut and then the book of Acts becoming the way that we take that healing into the world as the followers of Jesus through your story is my fingerprint in the valley confidence in the shadow I will be your strength one things for sure I am your must know is that he is good and you are love. say that he is good, and he is good and I am loved, so be blessed as you go from this place, just let that just settle into your spirit walk with that and ruminate with that thought that God is good, good in your life, good in my life, working for our good, and that we are loved. Just let that settle in. Be blessed by those words as you go forth. Take that into your week and allow God to continue the work that he's begun in our hearts time we've had together on this day. God is good, and you are loved. Be blessed, friends. See you next week.